Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and the world of sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz. Let's jump right into this. So, first off, just want to say apologize to you guys. Uh, schedule's not been what it ha- usually is lately, but uh, getting back to you guys with some news here, and then we'll go over the Jets and the Broncos game, uh, or games, I should say, over the last two weeks, and uh, get back into business here. So, running through some news... Uh, Miles Garrett suffers a shoulder and bicep strain in a car crash. Didn't play week four, but should be good uh, going forward and did in fact play uh, yesterday on Sunday in week five and looked good. So glad for him that uh, his injuries were not more severe. Um, You know, it sounds like he swerved off the road to not hit an animal. Um, And yeah, you're just glad that uh, uh, nothing worse happened in this situation. So our next story and a huge story across the NFL lately uh, Tua Tagovailoa suffered what looked like a concussion in the Dolphins game against the Bills last Sunday, but returned to the game uh, with the team, citing it as a back injury, leading to questions about whether the concussion protocol was followed correctly. And then Tua ended up playing just four days later in a Thursday night game against the Bengals, where he was slammed to the turf on his head, leading to a clear concussion and being stretchered off the field, where he was later released from the hospital that night uh, and did end up flowing back with the team. The NFLPA's continuing investigation on the situation found that the third-party neurotrauma consultant did not follow protocol and was hostile in the investigation process and was then terminated from the NFLPA's list of approved consultants. So as more details come out on this, we'll be sure to update you guys, but not a good look for the NFL and the Dolphins organization with regards to player safety. And I mean, you even talk about him uh, in that second game after he stretchered off the field and is released from the hospital night uh, that night, and then flies back with the team. And, you know, everybody has their own opinion on this. None, Most of the people who have their opinion on it aren't doctors and don't know what the to- hell they're talking about, including myself. So I want to preface with that. But, you know, there's been uh, situations in the league's history where we've had players that have gotten concussions and flown, uh, flown back with the team, uh, and had seizures or died from that so that in and of itself is another you know red flag as far as the handling of this situation um but then for all of the hubbub about it being a back injury they were very like specific on it being a back injury and then in this investigation the nflpa finding uh that the concussion protocol was not followed correctly that's just a bad look for everybody involved. Um, and, you know, whether you, some people want to say the NFLPA might have just fired this guy to kind of get a, uh, like, the result and the reaction that they wanted from the fans in terms of uh, the fact that the NFLPA was investigating it enough and doing what they needed to do on the, the matter. I guess I understand that. But really, he's not being fired as much as he is being removed from uh, the list of, like, third-party neurotrauma consultants that would be uh, called upon by the NFL to uh, be part of this concussion protocol. And so, I mean, like, they have every right to do that, whether or not uh, they feel he did not follow those protocols or not. But at the end of the day, uh, at least some change has come out of this. The protocols have been slightly changed. We saw them in effect, actually, the next game uh, with the Dolphins, who I was against the Jets, and we'll talk about a little bit later here where uh, Teddy Bridgewater had to go through concussion protocol and was later found that 
with the previous protocols, he probably would have been returned to the game, but with some of the things that have been changed now, uh, he was in fact kept out of that game. So at least some changes coming from this whole situation. You hate to see it for Tua. Hopefully it doesn't cause any long-term uh, issues for him. And I mean, another factor to that, like we talked about, is like when you have two concussions within such a short range of time, that can cause more than just short-term concussion uh, symptoms. That can have long-term effects beyond his playing career. So hope for the best for him and hope the best for uh, the league player safety going forward, and hopefully this can cause even more change uh, or at least get the ball rolling. And uh, another scary story here, J.J. Watt has his heart shocked back into rhythm after suffering fibrillation, which is a sped-up heartbeat that can lead to other issues if not treated. Watt would eventually play in the game Sunday and have an emotional post-game speech talking about the health scare and what it meant to him. And yeah, just glad he's okay. Um, glad that he can continue to play. But it's one of those things where at this point in his career, especially when you uh, hear his press, press conference talking about his family, talking about um, just potentially not being able to play anymore, this might be one of those things, one of those wake-up calls for him where it's like, hey, maybe it's time, man. You know, just go enjoy your life while you have the opportunity to uh, before something worse potentially happens and uh, changes things for the worse for you. So, uh, but glad he's okay in the short term right now. Now, even more unfortunate news, uh, some injuries. Javante Williams suffers a torn ACL, LCL, and PLC Sorry, in his knee and was placed on IR ending his season. Hate, hate to see it for a young man that uh, has really started to break out into his own, was doing some really good things last year and even this year, uh, and was our lead back for the Denver Broncos there, and especially at a point where uh, in this Raiders game, uh, you know, Melvin had that huge fumble and was basically looking like he was going to be in the coach's doghouse and just let Javante take over the carries, and unfortunately now his season's over. So... A lot of different working parts with what this means for the Denver Broncos, but first and foremost, uh, hope the best for Javante's recovery, and hopefully, because uh, that's a very serious injury uh, to have uh, all of those things torn at once. And um, so, yeah, hope the best for him, and hope he can come back looking like himself. And then another Broncos injury: Randy Gregory suffers a knee injury that MRIs later revealed not to be a full tear of any ligaments. Uh, and he'll be placed on short-term IR, but is expected to return this season. He had a, uh, a procedure done just for like scoping and things like that, um, so he's going to need some recovery time. But luckily for Broncos fans, um, Randy Gregory, who is an off-season addition this year and has been playing really, really well, arguably above expectations, uh, will come back, hopefully, uh, for this season. And in response to the Javante injury, the Broncos signed veteran running back Latavius Murray of the Saints uh, practice squad after he scored a touchdown for them in London against the Vikings just a few days earlier. Um, And yeah, a solid pickup. As a part-time Ravens fan, I enjoyed watching him with our team as well um, when uh, when the uh, Ravens suffered all those running back injuries last year um, and brought in Devontae Freeman and uh, Latavius Murray here to help take up some of those carries. And he did a a solid job for us, a big back uh, that can help in the red zone and with those power running situations. So uh, excited to get him uh, really onto the team and start playing 
uh, hopefully this next game against the Chargers on Monday Night Football. And uh, in a game we'll go through a little bit later here, Jonathan Taylor and Shaq Leonard both ruled out for the Colts on Thursday versus the Broncos. A huge blow on both sides of the ball for a Colts team that's already struggling. Um, And unfortunately for the Broncos, it didn't help. But (laughs) we'll go through that later. All right, so that does it for a new section. Uh, To move on to some of the Jets and Broncos games here more recently, Jets versus Steelers. Zach Wilson made his 2022 season debut after returning from a knee injury, leading the Jets to a fourth-quarter comeback victory over the Steelers, newly led by their rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who came in mid-game to give the stagnant offense a spark and get going, and they did, racking up a 10-point lead before losing it to the Milf Hunter and crew, in part because of Pickett's three interceptions. And yeah, I mean, you can only ask so much of a rookie quarterback in his very first start. He did give that team a little bit of a spark, but with Zach Wilson coming back from his injury, uh, that was just too much for the Steelers to handle, and the Jets take away a solid, solid win. And then going forward to week five uh, versus the Dolphins, the Jets put up yet another solid victory against a talented Dolphins team who started the game with Teddy B as to is still in co- uh, concussion protocol. But even Teddy was soon taken out due to injury, leaving a rookie Skylar Thompson, who played a solid enough game for his first start, going 19 of 33 passing for 166 yards and one interception. But It was not nearly enough to stave off the blossoming Jets, with Zach Wilson going 14 of 21 for 210 yards, Brees Hall having a breakout game, racking up nearly 100 yards on 5.4 yards per carry, plus a touchdown, and his partner in crime Michael Carter getting two of his own, leading the Jets to a 40-17 victory and a winning record, and on the defensive side, star rookie cornerback Sauce Gardner also recorded his first career interception, and... Quinnen Williams had an awesome little fumble return where he stiff-armed the hell out of Tyreek Hill and you could feel it was a little personal after some of the comments over this offseason and him uh, choosing the Dolphins over the Jets. Uh, So that was kind of a fun little moment to kind of put a stamp on it. And uh, yeah, good for this Jets team. You know, getting Zach Wilson back, they look a lot better. Really letting uh, some of those young players start to flourish there with uh, that quarterback talent back in place. And I'm really, really interested to see what this Jets team can continue to do this year. So, moving over to the Denver Broncos, the Week 4 game versus the Raiders. The Broncos' first division matchup of the year ended in disappointment as the Russ, or as Russ and the Broncos' offense started off solidly, finally able to score in the red zone uh, on a nice pass to Cortland Sutton. But the Raiders' offense kept pace. Uh, despite a solid t- defensive showing in the past game, Josh Jacobs was able to gash the Denver D for 144 yards rushing with another 40 from Carr himself, which allowed the Raiders to force the Broncos D to overcommit inside and find their other offensive weapons in the pass game as well. The Broncos offense kept it going though and scored on three more drives before half, going into the locker room at 16-19. However, They fell apart in the third quarter, and the offense did not score again until there was only seven minutes left in the fourth, allowing the Raiders to go down for one last drive with the defense now gassed and seal it, making it a two-possession game. In arguably the new-look Broncos offense's best game yet, they couldn't deliver consistent drives to eat up time for the defense to rest, and it came back to bite them in the end. And, you know, a game-changing play in the middle of that that we addressed a little bit earlier, but I really want to talk about 
um, was Melvin Gordon's fumble and fumble recovery for a touchdown by the Raiders. A huge momentum-changing play in that game. Wasn't what lost the game for the Denver Broncos, but a huge play nonetheless, and I think something that fans were really focused on uh, is saying he should be cut immediately. And Listen, I'm as mad as anybody when it comes to Melvin's fumbles. That frustrates the hell out of me, and it feels like he finds literally the worst possible opportunities to do it in game-changing situations, momentum-changing situations, and that was yet another one of those here. Um, but at the end of the day, he is a very solid running back. We've got him for a decent price at the moment. Um, and, you know, he's not a bad player to have on your team, but you just have to keep relying on him and keep uh, that confidence in him. And the Denver Broncos did do that, um, which leads us right into week five versus the Colts, where he did come out as the main back and had a solid game. He did fumble once, but got called uh, back luckily because I believe it was a holding call. So he got lucky there, um, although I think we recovered the fumble anyway. Um, but, you know, he did a lot better. And he really, it was very clear, <laughs> like visibly with the way he was carrying the ball, that that really like put it through to him that he, he needs to make a change. So I'm excited for him to, uh, you know, go through the rest of the season and hopefully be able to put that behind him. Um, and try not to make as many of those plays. And it's not like he's trying to make them in the first place, but he certainly has a unintentional, unintentional knack for it um, because it's happened a lot over the last few years, and Broncos fans are tired of it, and I get it. I understand. But with that said, the rest of the Week 5 game, just a few days after the disappointing showing against the Raiders, the Broncos played again on Thursday Night Football against a reeling Colts team missing two of their most impactful players in Jonathan Taylor and Shaq Leonard, but the Broncos put up potentially their worst offensive performance this season thus far, which is kind of saying a lot, but uh, scoring only nine points and just not able to get anything going for the majority of the game. And to make matters worse, this game was pure attrition on both sides for both teams, with Garrett Bowles and Ronald Darby both done for the season now, Josie Jewell out, Baron Browning out after, after a terrific early showing against the Colts' injured offensive line, and even Browning's replacement in rookie Nick Benito suffering an injury as well. Uh, and ultimately, once again, this game came down to the offense not providing enough rest for the defense, as despite a lights-out performance from an injured Broncos D all game, they eventually got gassed and gave up a late score to go to overtime and then the game-winning touchdown as well. And it's one of those things where it's like some people want to point the finger at the defense for not making a stand when they needed to, but when you have them out there for 60, 70-plus snaps because the offense can't stay on the field, and even when they can stay on the field, they don't get scores out of it, that's going to happen. I mean, this offense seriously looked awful, and... Ironically, what I've found so interesting is the narrative so far throughout the season. Initially, for the first couple games, it was all about Hackett, and Hackett was the issue. He was not putting uh, his players in the best positions, game management, clock management, whatever. That stuff has started to improve, and the penalties have improved, things like that. But now, especially in this Colts game in particular, Russ played really, really bad. He had some good plays, he did. He had some good throws. But even on some of those good throws, he was off target. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where he just has to play better. 
there was some added context later on after the game where it came out that Russ, since the middle of the uh, week four Raiders game, has been dealing with a partially torn lat right underneath his throwing shoulder, which is obviously nothing to sneeze at. But uh, And now he's had a, a minor procedure who where he's not expected to miss time. He should be available for the uh, Chargers game come next Monday. However... Uh, he's still got to play better than he did. And at the play that everybody's focusing on, at least on social media, is uh, in four, on the fourth quarter, the very, very last play. I'm sorry, not even fourth quarter, the, uh, overtime, the very last play to win it. K.J. Hamler came over on a pick play uh, and was basically on a slant on the right side. And Russ, it looked as though he decided he was going to go to Cortland Sutton on the left side initial like just before the snap and decided on that went with it despite him being covered uh where kj hamler went just walking in wide open to the end zone and was waving his arms and then when he didn't get the ball was very frustrated over that and looking back over the tape he had uh been open a few times and had just been missed by russ and that's plays where you know i you don't know i guess on some of the longer ones, if he saw him and kind of like doubted his ability to get the ball there because of uh, what's going on with his injuries, and even on some of the deep balls he did throw, they were off target. So that would be like a valid thing. But this was a short, you know, red zone uh, play to win the game, and especially on a fourth and one where you have an opportunity to run the ball and get a new set of downs. And yet you choose to not only throw it, but predetermine your target before you actually go through the play. Like, that's just unacceptable. Just straight up. So, and I think all of this, this also doesn't mean Russ is washed, which is the current conversation. Let's just chill. It's still week five. Things take longer than this sometimes to actually get going and get that chemistry between everybody, between play caller and Russ. I think it does appear that Russ is maybe at times uh, calling his own stuff and and deciding where he wants to go with the ball before the play snapped. So that's stuff that's just going to have to be worked out over time. We have to have some patience. But wow, it looks really ugly ugly right now. It really, really does. Um, And I do think I still have... I know a lot of Broncos fans are like, oh, season's over, you know, nothing to root for, blah, blah, blah. And like the world is over. We need to get rid of Russ. We need to fire Hackett just chill guys just let let it happen nobody's gonna get fired in the middle of the season we're not gonna trade russ in the middle of his first season here so let them figure it out just let them do what they're gonna do if it's ugly it's ugly and if changes need to be made if it's like stays this ugly then you know by the end of the year then let's talk about some changes being made right now it's week five take a breath let it happen and just try to enjoy what you can out of it. This defense has been playing lights out. We have a lot of young talent on this team that is still promising. Just try to find the positivity in it. That's all I'm trying to say. So that is going to do it for us today. Of course, check out or check us out on social media, at Mile High Flight Show on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and at MHFS Podcast for both Twitter and our merch on Redbubble. Thank you so much to everyone that listens. This has been the Mile High Flight Show, and we'll see you guys next week.